We're going to get started here in just a minute. So, so yeah, we're going to get started here in just a minute. And I got new handouts. <laughs> Maybe if we had a large wooden badger. Sorry, no. Then Lancelot and I jump out. Who jumps out? Lancelot and I. Maybe if we had got a large wooden badger. Sorry. Okay. <sighs> Good times. Good times. We are going to get started here in just a moment. I went five over, so we got, by my reckoning, another minute. Before I get started here. Mm. <sighs> I got the whole, like, everyone sitting everywhere. Morning, Mary. How's your back? Nice. Okay. Alrighty. So if uh, if we could shift into time of prayer requests and praise, um, we can we can take care of that. Any prayer requests or praises? Dan Barth. Okay, okay. Zeb, could you exhort the people to move into the fireside, please, so we can take prayer requests? Thank you. In love, but exhort them. Exhort away. Okay. Okay, so your mother-in-law, sorry, Dan. Okay. Okay. Uh. Okay. Okay. We will pray for your mother-in-law. Absolutely. Yes. My mother is, her MS is picking up. She's pretty much given up independent walking. She's now using a walker for the most part. The, the, the construction on the house is recommenced, which is good. And um, I'm hoping she'll be out here by the end of the summer, early fall. But it's, I mean, it's, it's shutting down her nervous system. That's what MS does. Um, it is what it is. So, yes. It's a praise, right? Okay. Um, thank you, Zeb. Jim. Brenda. <laughs> you lucky thing, you. Thirty-four. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Thirty-four years. Um, the Mancusos got back safely from Texas with their baby boy Oliver. That's a praise. I mean, we were praising when Oliver was born, but this is our first time to like. 
Okay. Still, I'm glad the Mancusas are back and uh, with their, their firstborn. Um, any other? Yes. What's the most recent update on that? I heard they, they found... Who's got the most recent update? Do you? He has a prostrate move this week. Okay. They had it. Had it. Okay. Lymph nodes. Okay. Now, I heard they weren't sure if he was going home for the weekend or here keeping him in. He's home. Okay. Okay. I'm going to have to swing out and see him. Okay. Yeah, pray for John Eaton. Um, okay. Yeah, pray for John Eaton who apparently the most recent update had his prostate removed, but they also found cancer in his lymph nodes. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And pray for Jeb Brewer. Um, I know Jeb's so faithful, it's hard to remember. He's got cancer, and it's eating away, and his energy, and just pray for the Brewer family. Um, anything else? Any of the prayer requests, praises? Stock updates. Yes, North Doris. Okay. That's a personal request for you? That's a very personal request for you? Is there, is there furniture in your house right now? Okay, there we go. Okay. Okay. Any other? Pr yes, Elsa. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. That we would. What does what does um, Peter say? That we would. Paul says we know how to answer every man. That we would season our words with salt, so that we might be able to give a reason for the hope that is within us. When people ask, that there's a lot of talk about issues that can very quickly become gospel issues. One of the positive things, I mean, remember, well, I'll, talk, let me, I'll start there when I get done with the prayer requests. Um, okay, any other prayer requests or praises? Oh. That is very young. Okay. Cindy, ovarian cancer, believer. Okay. Anything else? Wendell, you're sitting up straight and tall. Yes, you are. I don't know. Just, just an observation. Okay. Just, just like, okay. Sorry. Okay. I'm scanning, and all of a sudden I see Wendell there. Okay. Anything else? Okay, let's pray. Um... Lord God, we just come before you and we pray that you would um, give us grace, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would um, work your will out in our lives. Lord, we lift up Dan's Barth's mother-in-law, who's now back in the hospital for the third time, various issues. I'm sure that's discouraging for her. I pray that you would give her grace, that she could persevere and endure. You would give the doctors skill um, in, in identifying what is wrong and treating her ailment, but that ultimately this trial would be a cause for her to draw nearer to you and not further from you. Lord, we just rejoice that um, the doctors are not able to find anything wrong with James's father's heart, 
We just pray that you continue to strengthen him and his family. Lord, um, we're just thankful that the Mancusos have returned to our body and that they've returned with their firstborn son, Oliver, and we just praise you as the author of life. And we just uh, thank you for getting him home safely and the opportunity we've had to renew our fellowship and, and to rekindle our friendships and just look forward to that. Lord, we do lift up John Eaton to you, um, a good, faithful brother. Um, and Lord, to, to find out that the cancer is spread and to the lymph nodes, I'm sure, is discouraging. I just pray, Lord, that you would, um, again, not let him or Nancy be discouraged, but to place their hope firmly on you. Um, we do pray, Lord, that you would restrain the effects of the curse, that you would preserve life, that you would uphold it, that you would um, grant John um, life, not necessarily for his sake, but for the sake of his wife, for our sake, who benefits from the ministry he does, the grace that you extend to us through him. So for our joy, lest we have sorrow upon sorrow, we pray that you would um, grant and heal and strengthen him. We lift up Jeb Brewer in the same way, Lord. Um, as an elder at this church, we, we just value the, the, the wisdom that you've um, given him, the grace that you've given him, the leadership that you've given him. We benefit from it. So like Paul praying for Epaphroditus, Lord, we just pray that you would preserve him for our sake, lest we have sorrow upon sorrows for his family's sake, Lord. Um, we just praise you and thank you for how you have done that already, confounding the doctors um, as he continues to persevere. Pray that you would ease his pain, that you would just pour out more grace and more strength. Lord, um, we just pray for, uh, for, for Doris's children's safe trip to Texas and that they would find a home and a place for their furniture. Um, and Lord, we, uh, we pray for, for Cindy, who's a believer who just got diagnosed with ovarian cancer in her bones. And Lord, it just seems we're reminded again and again and again that we are in a cursed, fallen, dying, groaning, suffering world. So Lord, on the one hand, we, we weep, we groan, we yearn and long for the resurrection, and yet we also rejoice knowing that your son came to put death to death. We know that this cycle of suffering and sickness and death will one day end. You've guaranteed that already through the death of your son. So while we await the consummation of all things, while we await the return of your son, we do pray that you would um, preserve life, strengthen Cindy. But most importantly, Lord, that you would not let this trial be a cause for her faith to weaken, but to strengthen, that she would even more so cast herself upon you, that she would um, come to trust you even more fully, and that you would be the God of all comforts to her, that you would strengthen her and comfort her and, and bear her up under eagle's wings. Lord God, we commit our time to you and just pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a sign-up sheet here that's going to go around for something near and dear to my heart. This is the coffee sign-up. <laughs> now, we've got plenty of people signed up to clean up the coffee. What we don't have is really anyone willing to show up a little early to make the coffee. By a little bit early, I mean 8.45. So, if you enjoy partaking of the black beverage of the gods, um, the ambrosia, what? As long as it's lowercase g, it's biblical. It was, it was implied in the way I said it. My enunciation was clear. You say lowercase g gods different than uppercase g gods. Um, 
Okay. But here's a sign-up sheet, so please um, consider, if you have the spiritual gift of getting here 10 minutes early, um, then you could, you could sign up. I'll pass this around. What's going to happen is we're not going to have coffee one day, and I'm just going to walk around with that, and people are like, where's the coffee? I'll be like, sign. Right here. Right here. So um, please consider serving um, us in that way. Yes, Wendell. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Come on up. Okay. I've been handing out some cards. Uh, President Claude Ritz, uh, presented by Bridges. Uh, the Bridges ceremony showed the group of uh, individuals going to be talking at Grace Church on the 24th of October. Uh, at, uh, of course, Josh and uh, Melanie are the welcome Eva tonight, as they're otherwise known as. Uh, witness to Okay. And are we recording? Okay, we're good. Okay. Um, before we get started, here's the order of what we're going to cover this morning. I'm going to make, I thought I'd open up briefly a little bit of discussion about what's taking place at the Supreme Court. Just a couple words on that. Then we'll open up to questions on this morning's message. And then if we make it to it, I've got um, the New Covenant Ministry of the Holy Spirit handout. So that's um, that's my plan for this morning. So, I'm sure all of you are aware of the Supreme Court's verdict and ruling as of what, Thursday? Right, Friday. Well, Thursday was the Obamacare ruling, right? Yeah, okay. And for, forget even the issue of Obamacare. I, I just, my mind boggles at saying, yes, we know it's written that way, but we think it meant, they meant to say this. That's just a crazy way to rule on anything. Yes, but postmodernism. Yeah, yeah. We can make it mean whatever we want to make it mean. Yeah. I just want to say there's, there's probably a couple of, I was having a conversation with some friends yesterday, and in any biblical circumstance, there are a number of responses that are equally biblical, and I think the challenge is like a chord in music that all the notes get hit at the proper volume. Um, so I think there's a couple... Um, couple responses. Certainly, on the one hand, 
the scriptures say, woe to those who justify the wicked, who call evil good and good evil. And so there's, there's legitimate, any time, any government, any people would say that what God says is wrong is good or what God says is good is wrong. There's, there's a lament, there's a, there's a weeping, there's an anguish, and potentially even a righteous indignation. I think that's, that's an appropriate biblical response. But additionally, we know things like Romans 8.28, that even these events are ultimately working together, according to Romans 8.28, for the good of those who love God. And as Elsa said earlier, um, this is going to bring into public conversation a lot of topics. It's going to give us an opportunity to speak the truth in love. It's going to give us, it's, it's on the cultural milieu. We're going to have many opportunities to speak to people and, and get them to the gospel that we otherwise wouldn't have. And so that's a thread, too, that even when people try to thwart God and rebel against him, they inevitably end up carrying out his purposes. Nebuchadnezzar is a prime example of, of an evil and wicked king who did exactly what God wanted him to do. Um, and so there's that thread. And there's also the thread of um, recognizing that as much as we love our country, as much as we, we um, as much as I am grateful for the privileges and the freedoms I have, our, ultimately our citizenship is another country. And things like this remind us that as, as great as our country is, it is not our final home. Um, and all those are equally true biblical threads. And the, the danger or the challenge is to make sure we're sort of wringing all of them and not just one of them. We're not just the angry thread or not just the sad thread or the detached who cares because God's in control thread. But I think biblically all of those are righteous and right responses um, of, of feeling. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, it's, it's difficult. Any, any thoughts or questions on that? That was just sort of my off-the-cuff pastoral thought that I've been chewing on that's gone on last week. Mm. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. The the yeah the courts have in expanded their purview of power by going from simply our job is to it used to be that the legislative branch would write the law and then the courts would interpret and and you know, basically enforce the law now the courts are basically not interpreting the document they're trying to interpret what they think people meant which is much gives you a lot more leeway because they can say yes we know it doesn't say that but we're pretty sure as what their intention was Try that next time you you know try that next time you're you're pulled over for like you know reckless driving. I know the law says this, but I'm pretty sure what they meant to say was I can drive as fast as I want, right, Wendell? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah.
No, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I, 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 the, other, the other thing I'd say is it reminds us even more clearly that we live in a missions field. I mean, Can- we sh- on the one hand, we shouldn't be surprised when Canaanites act like Canaanites. Um, and as much as a large percent of Americans will identify themselves as some form of Christian, clearly the genuineness of those who are regenerate and, and actually born again and faithful believers are not nearly what the Christian percentage is. Um, it shouldn't. I mean, it shouldn't surprise us. It's sad. It's very sad. But what else are blind, dead, deaf, stone-hearted, ignorant people going to do? And um, it's it's discouraging. But it gives us a tremendous opportunity to speak the truth to our culture, um, and uh, just that we would use those opportunities and um, speak the truth in love and be ready for that. This is going to become the new shibboleth. Remember, there's a there's a there was a conflict in Israel where the north was fighting the south. It was in Judges. And the way they were detecting who was from the north and who was from the south was there's a word that the southerners would say differently than the northerners. It was Shibboleth. And so when they're trying to cross the fjord, the ford, fjord or ford? Fjord, the ford, ford. Yeah. Um, when they're trying to cross, when they're trying, well, see, that's why, like in some countries, you don't say drip, you say dreep. Um, and. <laughs> Um, of Dreep. Yeah, that was, that was classic. Ab, Abby, where's, Abby reminded me of that. She's like, Dreep, did you get it today's sermon? Very sad, very sad trip. Very sad trip. Um, but, but it was basically became a way of testing. And, and this has now become the issue of whose team are you on? I mean, so in one sense, the issue of gay marriage, while it's by no means the most important issue in the Bible, is become such a clear black and white litmus test for whether people are going to hold to the scriptures or not, that it becomes a very, very quick gauge of, in other words, the, issue, the importance of this issue isn't fundamentally the importance of the issue of gay marriage. It's an important issue. It's really the importance of the authority of scripture. And very, very, very quickly it will reveal whether or not a person holds the authority of scripture or not. So it's become a sort of cultural shibboleth that very quick, Litmus test, Jim. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, best thing, the best thing we can do, by the way, um, 
let me let me say one one last thing on this is we can model the valueness and the holiness and the worth of marriage. Uh, there's there's a message I gave back in December, middle of December on Genesis three on marriage, and one of the points I made there is that one of the reasons why our culture calls us hypocrites and doesn't take us terribly seriously when we speak about gay marriage is because we have not as as a as a Christian culture been modeling that seriousness of marriage for the last 50, 60 years or so. Um, and so, I mean, I'll give you an example. There's a reason why the Amish keep winning court cases for being able to drive their buggies on the road. It's because nobody doubts the Amish believe what they believe. No one thinks the Amish are, are you just say you don't want to, you just say you want to drive buggies. They're driving buggies. They're not using electricity. You know, like you get that they believe what they mean. That's part of the reason I think people are afraid to take on Islam. It's clear these Islamic folks are serious about what they believe. Um, and so we redefined marriage back in the 70s when uh, the first no-fault divorce laws were passed, which um, up until that point, um, infidelity was a crime, right? Um, and you had to demonstrate to get out of a marriage that some sort of criminal activity had taken place. And now, with the passing of default divorce laws, it really shifts the notion of a covenant to that of a contract. We don't care why. You're, you're tired, you're done, okay, we can get out. That's fine. That was probably a significant redefinition of marriage is what just happened last week. Um, except the, the church wasn't nearly so concerned about it. So my, my point is simply to say the best thing we could, we want to be, we want to, one of the traps we want to avoid is we don't want to be the anti gay marriage people. We want to be the pro-marriage people. There's this genuine real thing and it's beautiful and it's given to us by God and it's worth protecting and we want to be for that. And the best way to show we're for that is in our own marriages. That's the best apologetic we can give. That, that, that this is a holy and sacred thing. It's by, by starting and, and treating our own marriages as sacred and holy. Um, the culture is not going to be terribly impressed with people who, who have similar divorce rates, who have similar issues, saying, no, no, marriage is sacred. And I think that's part of the reason why they don't want to hear it as much, which doesn't mean we shouldn't speak the truth. It just means we ought to at least recognize there is some reason why they have a hard time hearing this from us. Because in many cases, they haven't been terribly impressed that the Christians are the pro-holiness of marriage people um, across the borders. I'm not saying in any, any particular case. That makes sense? So that'd be my, my encouragement, would just be let us demonstrate the, the sacredness and the sanctity of marriage in our own marriages, first and foremost. Um, yes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got to be very strong. And we've got to... And how we speak against this is going to be huge. We've got to resist, I think, the sarcasm and the anger. The, our, the opposition wants to portray us as bigoted hate mongers. The absolute worst thing we can do is to play into that by being, by being like, you know when people lose a baseball game and they get mad and they throw their bat on the floor? We don't want to act like that. We want, we want to speak the truth in love. And if, if we're passing cartoons around the internet and if we're making fun of people, we will absolutely lose whatever hearing we might possibly have. Because anyone watching will say, yep, they are a bunch of angry, bigoted, hateful people. Um, if we want people to listen to us, we want to avoid that and speak the truth in love and, and, and understand the majority. I mean, 
The majority of the justices spoke. Um, yeah. Canaanites here do what Canaanites do. Doesn't make it exciting when Nebuchadnezzar puts up a golden statue and tells everyone to worship it, but hey. Jeremy. Well, that's that's yeah. That's one of the things that's frustrating is um, the opposition has not only argued their case, but they've also pretty much won the argument that anyone who disagrees with them, there's no other reason you would disagree with them other than bigotry and hate. They've really eliminated the notion that there's any possible valid reason why somebody would disagree other than bigotry and hatred. Um, and that's a very difficult thing because it's, it's, it's clever. I mean, you say that enough, and what people do is people stop listening to the response. If you're con who's really going to sit down and take a neo-Nazi seriously? Well, let me hear you out. Let me hear why, you, why you're part of the Third Reich or whatever. You know what I mean? No one's going to take a neo-Nazi seriously because we're pretty much convinced that, 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 that that type of group are not based on rational arguments but hatred or some other thing. If... The enemy does not want us to be able to speak the truth in love, clearly. And so, yeah, it makes sense that they're trying to paint us out that way, which is why we've got to be careful to season our words with salt and not play into that. Not act like angry people who are upset. Sorrow is appropriate. Grief and anguish is appropriate. But a sort of sarcastic, angry, eh, is, isn't going to help anything. God will judge the earth in righteousness. Make, make, no, make no mistake about that. That God will, these wrongs will be righted. He doesn't need our help write them.
and and recognize that we, and by we I mean the American church, are partly responsible, share a certain amount of culpability on why they're have a harder time taking us seriously. If if all through this, it was like, man, Christians take marriage seriously. I mean, they take marriage seriously. Then they might disagree with us, but I don't think they'd they the, the charges of hypocrisy and just bigotry would be as strong. Just like people get that the Amish really are serious about not using electricity. You may think that's silly, but they clearly believe it. <laughs> you know what I mean? But when we say marriage is sacred, I think that rings a little hollow to many ears. And I think it'd be probably helpful for us to have a certain amount of chastening to say, yeah, we haven't been so good about marriage is sacred for a while. Yeah, it used to be that there's a certain amount of cultural advancement you could get by saying you're a Christian. So the sort of half-hearted um, Laodicean, sure, I'll be a Christian. If I mean, it used to be you couldn't run for any political office as an atheist. There's just no way. There's no way. Um, it was a big deal when JFK, who was Roman Catholic, became president. Like, well, you know. And so there's a certain amount of, okay, the current's going that way. I'm a real Christian. It's now going the opposite way. To claim yourself to be any sort of sincere Christian is automatically, to, you lose whatever cultural advantages you had. So yeah, there's going to be a bunch of uncommitted, half-hearted people that are going to shift the other way. It'll, it'll work for the purification of the church. It'll work for, uh, to, to, to make the wheat and the tares more clearly visible. Yes, Candy. No, because I don't, I don't, no, 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 no. It helps because we don't, I don't, um, I don't hire myself out to do weddings. And so I've always, from day one, reserved the right, for whatever reason, to not do a wedding if I don't want to. I don't see scripture calling me to do weddings. And so, you know, um, if I just had a bad feeling about something, I just, I, I, I wouldn't want to do a wedding unless I could get my heart into it. I also don't, you know, charge. People generally will give me an honorarium, but I don't, it's not something I vocationally do. And so there's no transaction of money. There's no contract or sales receipt. Also, we don't rent out our church for weddings unless you're part of our body or like one degree out, our wedding pack. So it would be different if we were a building that regularly rented out for all sorts of different weddings. And then we're saying, no. the, the first place it's going to hit is if you do a business or if you sell a good or a service, and then you're selectively who you're selling that service to, that's who they're going after first. So we don't sell weddings as a good or a service. We don't rent our building out to people other than as we choose. 
our statements are where we're at. So we should be safe for a while. It's not to say eventually we won't be in trouble, but I think initially we're going to be fine, um, at least in the first couple rounds. They're going to go after first the people who, like, like that one you heard about in Las Vegas, well, they're wedding mongers. I mean, they're, literally their profession is we marry people. And the government's going to say, okay, if you're going to marry people, you don't get to pick and choose, you know, um, any more than you can say we don't do black weddings or we don't do Asian weddings. I mean, that's really what it's going to become. Thankfully, we don't sell weddings here. We, we, that's not something that we do for profit or as a, as a business. So we should be safe for a bit. Um, but things can change. But I think, I think initially we'll be okay. Um, Well, what's even more scary, I'd recommend, by the way, if you guys don't check out, if you guys, there's a podcast every day, for, uh, Al Mueller does a 20-minute podcast called The Briefing, very helpful. But some of the more radical, the more radical um, and honest um, proponents, what they're really after is the destruction of marriage. Um, my wife read an article by somebody who argued that Parents and kids who grew up in stable homes where the parents read to them have an unfair advantage in the school system. No, no, he really argued that. And what are we going to do about this inequality? Because what's going to happen is the kids whose parents are together and the kids whose parents read to them and they have a, they have a text-rich environment, they have an unfair advantage in the school system and so we're going to perpetuate the cycle because they're going to go to the better schools, they're going to get the better jobs. And the solution wasn't like, let's help other families read to their kids and stay together. It was, it was like, it was just insanity. Um, well, the only answer is going to be the state taking care of kids. That's the only, right. So who knows? I, I tend to think that this is ultimately about the destruction of marriage, but that's just my personal opinion. We'll see how it goes. I'm not a prophet. I'm the son of a prophet, and I work for a nonprofit, so. Yes, Elsa. Yeah. Yeah, no, amen and amen. That's part of also the reason, it's not the reason why, but it's another benefit of our emphasis on membership is we need, to, part of the reason we need to know who we are is because we're not responsible for dealing with the sin of everybody. Paul says, God deals with the outsiders. You deal with those who are inside. And so having some clear measurement, okay, inside, outside, is, is essential. If we're going to do, you can't do, if discipline is about putting someone outside, that is impossible to do if you don't know where the wall for inside and outside is. And so um, it, that wasn't the driving motive. That's another factor. You, the one demands the other. Because um, we, we aren't to judge we aren't to judge the world. God deals with them. We're to, we're to deal with ourselves and our own sin. And yeah, that, that's, that's important as well. Again, the, the challenge for us, what we should be doing is we should be letting, we should be letting God deal with the world. 
and judging their sins. We should be dealing with our own sin. The temptation for the church is not to deal with our sin and to throw stones over the wall at the world's sins. You don't have pickets. And that's where you ask the question, when's the last time you saw a million man rally against pride? We tend to be, we tend to be very lenient on the sins we struggle with. You know, gossip is a sin no one really talks about. See what I did there? All right. Yes, Gary. Um, Well, it's, it's, it's really just insane. I mean, I mean, when I say it's insane, I mean it's, it's like we're getting to a point, well, think about this. Your, your gender is a matter of your opinion that can change. So today, I can go into the woman's bathroom because today I'm feeling like I'm self-identifying. I mean, this is not objective. This comes down entirely to how do I feel today? It's fluid. And it moves back and forth. I mean, that's just crazy. It's just, I mean, it's just... It's just non. It, it's it's the same craziness about the logic of abortion. Is it a life? Well, if the mother thinks it's a life, it is, and if she doesn't think it's a life, it's not. So if you're pregnant, like Serena, and she got in a car crash, and someone caused her to have a miscarriage because she viewed the baby as a life, charges could be filed, a lawsuit could be filed, not just for her damages, but for the loss of the life of the baby. She could also pay someone to kill it. So whether or not that baby in my wife's tummy is a human being with value is entirely dependent upon what she happens to currently think of, which is, again, crazy. It, it would be more rational if we said it's not a life till it's born. It'd be wrong. That at least wouldn't be contradictory nonsense. But to say, I don't know, what's the mother think of it now? is craziness. But that's really where our laws are at. Is it a life? Does it have rights? Does it have any value? Well, what do you think of it right now? And that could change because you might think differently tomorrow. It's just crazy. I mean, it's, it's irrational. Zeb. Oh, Mary. Mm. Right. Yeah, I would, if you're looking, yeah, what Mary was saying was that we need to hold each other accountable and lovingly, gently correct each other if in public forums, social media, we're venting our anger and our frustration. Um, we need to lovingly say, hey, that's, that's not righteous and it's not helping the situation. And it really is playing into the, yeah, see, they're just a bunch of angry bigots. You, you, my best advice, you want to know how to live in an increasingly pagan world is read the book of Daniel. Daniel is a model 
of giving honor to Nebuchadnezzar, giving honor to his son Belteshazzar, giving honor to um, Cyrus, and yet absolutely without hesitation saying, no, I can't do that when his conscience gets violated. So Daniel can say to a pagan king who puts up a statue of gold and wants people to worship it, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, live forever and honor him and serve him well in respect. And yet there's just no question, I, yeah, I can't worship your statue. And he doesn't pick it and he doesn't, you know, like mount a camp. He just, no, I can't do that. And Daniel is, a, is just a tremendous example um, of giving what honor you can, humbly, submissively, giving what honor you can to evil rulers, and yet clearly knowing where you can't follow. So I, I, would, I would recommend reading the book of Daniel if you want some cues of, okay, how do you deal when the, your leaders and your people around you are, are progressively more and more clearly not honoring God? Yes, Wendell. So Daniel absolutely does does um, what's the word when you do nonviolent refusal civil disobedience yeah he just keeps on praying doesn't even close his doors like I'm not changing my habit I'm not hiding what I'm doing sorry and yet he's so faithful in serving I mean we think well how can I support an evil government he's so useful that he survives the regime changes keeps on staying on as an advisor. So he's clearly able to give, still give good economic advice, good judicial advice, good sound, um, sound counsel to evil people. And yet he's, yeah, he knows where he says, yeah, I can't follow, I can't do that. And so, yeah, I, I find Daniel very, very helpful. Mary. No, absolutely. Let me let me say one la one more thing. We need to distinguish between those people caught up in sexual sin, this, the the temptation of same sex attraction, homosexuality, and those which is one thing, and those who want to call evil good, which is a different thing, and they're not always the same groups. Plenty of non homosexuals have advocated an apologetic for why same sex for why gay marriage is is wonderful, and. The, temp, the danger we've got to watch, and a friend of mine confessed to me last week with all of this going on, he's just becoming more and more angry at homosexuals. Just like, just like when, when we deal with all the issues of Islam, the temptations become angry and to hate Islamic people. And so we've got to distinguish the two. If somebody we want on the one hand, we aren't, we aren't the righteous people. We're the, we're the sinners who've been saved. If a person who struggled with homosexuality came here that we wouldn't, judge them if they wanted to try to fight that that we'd walk with them that we wouldn't go ew gross that they'd feel safe to, to do that but on another level 
there's also this apologetic issue of calling evil good that we're trying to respond to. And it helps to distinguish that. I think it helps me so as not to get angry at the homosexual community, which we don't we want to express love to them, respect to them. I mean, remember if your enemy's thirsty, you give them a glass of water, you turn out a cheek. You, even if you conclude you're on the other team, we love them, we treat them with dignity and respect, they bear the image of God. Um, we, don't, we don't insult them, we don't mock them. But we try to have a discussion and disagreement over things. Um, but I think it's helpful to distinguish the two different issues. Those who, I mean, the scriptures do speak very strongly against those who call evil good and evil and good evil and who justify the, the wicked. Um, that's, a, that's a big issue. We've got six minutes. Jim. Sure, sure. Um, no, no, absolutely. I'm just saying they're two different things. That, that on the one hand, we're having a, a philosophical discussion about marriage. We're having a philosophical discussion with people, or an ethical discussion about about um, about marriage. And on the other hand, that group that you're having that discussion with is not necessarily the same group that's struggling with it. You know, and that's all I'm trying to say is is yeah, you know what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's that's wise too. Yeah, Gary. <laughs> Wanda. Really? I'm sorry, Wanda. Okay. Okay. Okay, sure. Okay, um, there's two questions there, and let me separate the two. One is, what do you do against the argument, why would God let someone be born that way? And two, what do you do with people, the rare, I mean, now we're dealing with a real medically minority. We're dealing with like less than 0.001%. What do you do with the people who are born where their gender is not clear? Okay, let me deal with the second question and then the first question. The second question we still don't believe in some third category. You either got X or Y chromosomes. It may, may be difficult to discern what God has made, but we would still argue as Christians that that person is either a man or a woman, granted that their anatomy is, not, is, is deep malformed. But they aren't some new third thing, right? There isn't like X, Y, and Z chromosomes all of a sudden coming out. 
And so admittedly, go to Matthew 19. Go to Matthew 19. Um, so, so what I would say there is what we're trying to do then is determine as accurately as we can. And in some cases, it might be very, very difficult what has God made? But Genesis 1 says he made them male and female. There isn't a third category. And so it may be difficult to discern, but then we're going to try to as best we can. This, this gets back to the fundamental notion of being creatures. What's really at stake here in the whole uh, transgender issue is the de-godding of God. I mean, that may sound like a bold statement, and I certainly wouldn't and this gets to something you said, Jim. There's a bunch of things I would say that I would only want to say if I had enough time to unpack what I'm saying. There's some things that make awful sound bites. You know what I mean? Um, and so if, if you have a chance to explain, but here's the basic thing. What's the fundamental responsibility of a creature? To recognize it's a creature and to, to accept being what it is, right? So the fundamental notion is once I realize that I'm a man, it's my responsibility to accept and embrace that. And there's a fundamental pot saying to the potter, why have you made me this way? To say, I want it to be a woman. My first and foremost obligation, Jonathan Edwards in his, his writings, the, the first responsibility of the creature is to accept being. It's called consent to being. And, and so what you've got is a fundamental notion. No, I will define who I am at every level of my being. That's radical autonomy. And the word autonomy, you've probably heard me say that a number of times, comes from two Greek words, auto, self, nomos, law. Self-law, I'm a law unto myself. And the, the highest level of autonomy is I will redefine who and what I am. My reality conform, and we're playing, a, I mean, we're playing a game where men mutilate themselves and pretend to be women, and then we all play along and say, okay, they're, they're not women. They don't, women, okay. Etymology, we're all man, some of us have wombs, right? You're the womb man. I'm man, my wife, my wife has the amazing ability to build people inside of her. It's kind of remarkable. So much so that we attach womb man in front of man. We're all man, some of us um, have wombs. And no matter what surgeries you undergo, that doesn't change. But we're playing along because people say, well, I think in order to be happy, I need to pretend I'm something else. And we say, okay, we'll if it makes you happy, we'll play along too. So, so, you're, so Matthew 19, sorry, I haven't, that's a long introduction to saying this. Um, sorry. Okay. After Jesus gets questioned about divorce and remarriage, verse 10, the disciples understand his teaching is so strong and so challenging that the disciples say to him, if such is the case of a man and a woman, it is better not to marry. Jesus said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only to those to whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who've been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let the one who is able to receive this receive it. So Jesus recognizes that there are people and what he's getting at with a eunuch is a person who's going to have no, self, no sexual expression. Because basically what Peter's picked up on, and we're not going to dive into this now, but there are people who, because of divorce and remarriage, may be in a category of not marrying. Right? That's the eunuchs who are the eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. There might be somebody who, and, and we, we do believe here there is one exception for divorce and remarriage, but there are people who aren't that exception. And so some of them are going to be eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of God. I will have no... For the time being, I will have no sexual expression. I'm functionally a eunuch, 
Okay, there are people made eunuchs by men. You know, they lived in Rome, where if you were a rich dignitary, who do you want to guard your wife and your harem? Well, you want eunuchs because they don't be tempted, right? And and so eunuchs were actually a kind of prized type of slave. But then he talks about people who were born eunuchs, which would cover any sort of genital malfun- malfunction or, or formation. If people were born eunuchs, or people who were born. There it is, right? That's a wide umbrella category. But we're still trying to figure out as best we can what God has made, what they are, and then embrace that as fully as possible. It doesn't change anything. The fact that it's difficult. In other words, unless the doctor's arguing, no, they are a new third thing. They're neither male nor female. They are this third thing. Then you're still back to these binary categories. And all you're saying is, you're right. There are going to be some cases where it's going to be pretty hard to figure out which category it is. It doesn't change the fact that as creatures, our obligation is to recognize what God has made us to be and then to embrace and be that. And part of what he's made us is gender. Let's get to your second question. Um, the issue of what if what are people born gay, right? I'm not entirely sure that the evidence, well, no, forget I'm not entirely sure. So far, the evidence to support that claim is minimal. But let's grant it for the moment. I have no fundamental theological problem if we discover the gay gene or something like that. I don't, they haven't. I've, I've, the, all of my looking at the evidence has been really conjecture. But who here wasn't born proud? I was, you know, who here wasn't born lustful? In other words, if the argument is simply, hey, it's natural, it's just the way I am, then, you know, then adultery would be just as viable. Because I'm pretty sure, you know, for many men, that comes pretty naturally. And, and fornication, that's got to be good, too, because that's natural. It's just the way I was born. Um, why not do what animals do? Just take any woman you please, multiple. Like, why not you know, murder and anger and striking people? Look at the animal kingdom. That all comes very naturally, too. There's plenty of things that come naturally to us that we recognize we should not embrace. And I think that's what you've got to point out to people is, is we live in a fallen world. This isn't the world God created in Genesis 1. This is the world God cursed in Genesis 3. And so part of that curse is things aren't right. And so when people naturally want to kill people, we tell them that you got to resist that. you gotta, you got to push that down. Um, and so the simple assumption, well, that's just the way I am. Sure. And the, and the, the Christian narrative says, of course, because we're born sinful. And our hearts from the womb desire wicked things. And yeah, Absolutely. And so it should, that should engender a certain amount of sympathy. This is going to be really hard for you. You're struggling with something that I'm not struggling with. But that doesn't change anything any more than, well, pride comes really naturally to me, and so does anger, and so does lust. And so the whole Christian gospel is Christ died so you can be changed and not be what you are. Right? The gospel is an offer of transformation. So... I just would want to gently bring up some of those things. So it's basically what I would want to say to the person who says, well, what if they're born that way? Are you saying then that a person should embrace and however, whatever desires a person has that they're born are definitionally good and should never be resisted? What about sociopaths born that way? What about pedophiles who are born that way? What about rapists who are born that way? Are you really saying that Everything goes, as long as it's natural. I don't think people want to say, no, no, we're not saying, okay then. What then, if you're granting that not every natural desire is good, now you could ask the question, what separates which natural things are good and which ones aren't? And that, now you're moving the discussion along. Because now you're saying, it's not, it's not good enough. You need to do more than prove, I've had this desire from birth. 
you need to, which is all they've done so far. If they can prove that, they win. No. My son from birth has demonstrated will, anger, and violence. It's just cute when babies try to hit you because they can't do it very well. You know what I mean? Um, it's like, oh, isn't that cute? You know, but he's flailing his legs and he's, you know, right? I mean, it, it comes naturally. No one had to teach him. It's, it's the authentic Zadok. Um, um, and we're going to do our best as parents to train the authentic Zadok into submission. Okay, we're over time. We'll hit into this next week. But be of good cheer. We, we read this morning how the story ends and human history will end up with God as king over the earth, however we get there. Um, so God's plans will not be thwarted. Go in peace. Have a blessed day.